angry and being angry in itself doesn't help anything. Ranting in itself doesn't help anything, as we know. So um, I was asking for that, and uh, when I, it's funny, I'll tell you a secret about prayer. If you pray the right prayer, you'll get answers really fast. When I finally get the right one prayed, bam, I got, I've got an answer quickly. When I pray these other things, like, is it okay if the Holy Spirit says to you, oh, not the right question? Keep looking. Keep looking. Ask the, have you ever your kids asking the wrong question? And they finally write, ask, ask the right question, you can move. You can give them. They're finally dialed into what's going on and what you have. And so the Lord directed me to Gideon. I began to read. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I am still on this, and it's in my meditation all the time. And I, I was just feeling and thinking that um, this is super significant. We know a little bit about Gideon and his fleeces and, you know, some of the, the Sunday school stories about Gideon, but oh my gosh. The Lord called him a valiant warrior. Now, he's like, you know, I make a big deal sometimes about the Lord calling him something that he wasn't because he was hiding. He was threshing wheat in the wine press, hiding from the enemy. So, that doesn't exactly equate with valiant warrior, right? Like, not really. But that picture then of hiding in the wine press to do what? To survive, to thrash the wheat, to get the wheat out without it getting stolen by the enemy because they were tormented by the Midianites who came and stole everything they did. That's a really hard life when you're working hard something or someone steals everything that you have. That turns into a real bitter thing. doesn't take long. That's a hard way to live. And um, so I, I was looking at this, and I, I realized how much I went over this first part uh, two weeks ago, that we are often, uh, it, it kind of, well, it doesn't kind of, it perfectly symbolizes, looks like the church right now and how we've been. We've been hiding. We're afraid to... S Tell me afterwards if I'm wrong. Don't, don't interrupt me now, but la later you can say, you're wrong, Pastor. Okay. We have gotten... I, I realize this crept in. I'm not sure when it did, but I got fearful and paranoid about, about things because we're inundated from a culture that's pushing their agenda and pushing on their things. And they've got us afraid to talk about abortion. They've got us afraid to talk about a boy's a boy and a woman's a woman. Yeah? A girl, a boy's a boy, a girl's a girl. Like, you're like paranoid about everything. Don't, whatever, don't say something that may be mistaken as racial. And uh, out of trying to keep the peace and fit in and not stir up things, it's amazing, like when your eyes start to get open, maybe they are right now getting open, it's like, whoa, whoa, this is too far. I don't mind being kind and polite and, you know, considering other people. But Lord, Jesus, I'm not allowed to be myself anymore. This is no good. And we're really not allowed to talk about God, and we, there's this fear, like, if you, you talk about who he is, what, he is, what he's done, who, like, man, oh, man. And uh, we were afraid to say, 
Merry Christmas. Yeah, that, that finally went away because of an individual that ran for president and was here. Like, he really broke a lot of stuff in us. And it's the other reason I'm so behind him because he was fighting a fight that as a church, I, I went, we quit fighting. We started hiding. We've been in the wine press. So as raw as he may have been, he knew there was a war to fight. So he's not at a Christmas dinner being in the role that he was in and is in. He was at war with some evil, evil people that's getting bigger and bigger. And the atrocities that we're watching right now and experiencing, I listen, I listen to people talk about it, and I want to say, this stuff's been going on. The only difference, really, is that now you see more because this isn't that new. And these atrocities have been going on, but we haven't seen it. It's been hidden but they've been going all over the world. Uh, and there is horrible, there have been, has been horrible injustices. Pedophiles continue, at, since our president, ped continues to continue and whole um, networks of them are continuing to get broken up, arrested, hauled off to, to jail. All, it's actually all over the world. This continues to go on. It's just hard to hear about it because the normal places of it getting reported, they don't say a word. So there are things that have happened, things that are happening. And we, uh, we're called to awaken, and we've got to find the right way to do this because being angry and just ranting about things isn't, isn't the answer. But the Lord is to, needs us, wants us to be awake and to have a relevant word for this moment and this time. The church is not to be silent. That separation from church and state, that it was just a letter written by a president that stated this, the government cannot interfere with the church. That's what that was about. Leave us alone and let us speak because you need us to speak. You need us to have a voice. You need us to call out the immorality. Let me, for some reason, I went back to this earlier. I'm like, oh, it doesn't really fit what I'm sharing with. But uh, I can't say it enough. Our forefathers believed in something that we've identified as the golden triangle of freedom. This was like an unspoken, this is how they viewed culture and society. Because they were very studious about as they, before they prepared and created our constitution. It was a big deal. And they researched, and they're like, well, this is good over here in this country, but we don't want that result, and this is good over here. And they were studying and researching what works, what doesn't work. How do we create something that doesn't become what we just came out of? So they were very intent about it. They believed in the, this golden triangle of freedom, and it was simply this. Freedom requires virtue. It's like if we have a triangle... And if I had a chalkboard behind me, imagine, imagination. And, and at the top is the word freedom, okay? So the first leg is, is freedom requires virtue. Then the second part of the triangle is that virtue, turn the page, requires faith. 
You cannot have virtue without faith. And the third part of the triangle is that faith requires, you're back to the top, freedom. That they, it goes like this, like being a people of faith and a virtue of having moralities is nothing to be ashamed of. As a matter of fact, I want to require some virtue, some morality, some ethics, some integrity in my leaders, or I'm not going to vote for you. If I find out you're an elected official and that you enjoy an open marriage, I'm going to get you the heck out of there. Because if you can't be walking covenant with your wife, you definitely ain't going to lead me. If you can't walk in some morality and some ethics and some integrity, get out. If you don't have integrity in your finances, I definitely don't want you watching over the millions and billions of dollars that, are, that, that it takes to run our, our country. We need to call them to account. We get to vote. This isn't a country, a monarchy. We vote. We're responsible to vote. When you see them there, once we get this mess cleaned up, when you see them there, stop looking at the pretty face. Look behind the, the scene and see who are you really? I want to know. How do you handle your affairs? How do you handle your finances? What have you done that I should vote for you, that I should trust you? And so it creates a whole nother people. We need to do that with integrity. Like this country, what was our original mission? The Mayflower Compact. I, I go back to that. To extend the kingdom of God. To preach the gospel. And we are not an exclusive Christian country. We're never designed to be that. There needs to be freedom of religion. You get to choose. We're not going to mandate that, but you will, not, you will not put your stuff on me and take away my freedoms and liberty. So get some attitude, but have, have a, a pure heart about it. Awaken, arise, go, fight the fight. So we go to, get to Gideon, and we find him hiding in a wine press, thrashing wheat. Not, it wasn't, you know, when you have a place to work, like the garage is a place for making, you know, making things. And the kitchen is a place for doing other things. And the living room is like the parts of your house. There's a place to do your work. And when you do the wrong, a, a different thing than what, what the room was intended for, it's hard, right? Stuff's not there that you need. I always need a workbench. I, I, need, I, need, I need that before I can even think. I got to get something, a flat area, then I can start thinking. I've got to get my saw set up even if I don't use it. I think I just need it there. It gives me a point of reference. I've got to know where my tool, then I'm good. Now I'm good. Now I can think. And so when you're doing the wrong thing, you're doing something in the wrong place, then it's not going to go well. You're living in hiding. And, we, and we, so he it was living in fear. The angel of the Lord comes and visits him. And I was thinking, this story of Gideon from beginning to end, because it's actually an amazing. When the Lord called him a valiant warrior, oh baby, he actually was. We know of King David as being a valiant warrior. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. Like he was somehow miraculously a warrior. He was like above a Marvel character. Okay? That's, wow, that's pretty big, huh? 
Okay, I thought that was a good illustration. All right, anyways, better than, you know. Jesus is better than that, you know. And so um, you look and you re read the rest of the story. I'll just go till it's time to quit today. But um, when he finds him and he calls him a valiant warrior, he really was. And so I'm looking at this and I'm revisiting and preparing for today. And, and I'm, I just have this overwhelm. I'm like, this is so significant for the moment we're in, all of it, all of the elements of this story in his life. And, and I'm like, I'm going to pay attention if the prophets aren't saying more about Gideon. And maybe, and I couldn't remember anything at the time. And then I'm, I'm just like, I'm going to watch for this because I think this is big. Well, I've been listening to Amanda Grace. I listened to, I really recommend, really good. She had a prophecy on 831, which was last, this past Tuesday. Right? Yeah. And uh, so it's fresh, hot off the press. She goes, the Lord actually often gives her stuff. We were talking about the Jewish feasts, and he often gives her things right before those, like they're significant in the spirit. And so I had heard it, and I already forgot because it's a little bit lengthy, and I, only, I, I wanted to just transcribe a little bit of it. And uh, how amazing, I, I'm like, I, I want to re-listen to that. I was walking this morning, and, and I'm like, I'm just going to listen, listen, re-listen to this. It's just edifying. It's edifying. Can we say, can, you, can I say edifying? Can you say edifying? Can I say you need edified, build up? Is there anybody here that, that doesn't really need edified more than once a month, a week. I, I, const, I, find I constantly need edified, and getting busy with life can, oh, I don't know what word we should use, but you don't end up getting edified if you don't feed yourself and find something. And it takes a little more than Sunday morning, and da-da-da, okay? So you need this. Don't expect you're going to do well if you don't find things that edify your soul. You need that. Edified and entertainment are two different things, okay? So, but I think life is serious now, enough now where, like, don't, I don't need entertained. I need, like, I need comfort and peace. I, got, I need to get a grip. Life, the world's falling apart. And, uh, and so... You need to edify yourself. Don't expect you start to lose your peace. You start getting edgy with everybody. Of course you will, because we need to find, and we have access to all kinds of stuff. So do what it takes. Read your Bible, pray, stay in the spirit. Like, understand this. Take your vitamins, drink your milk, drink, uh, eat an apple every day. Like, there are things you do, and Get edified, get strengthened, listen to worship music like I'm continually as much as I can listening to worship and praise. She begins, I'm like, wow, this is interesting. She goes, I am the Lord strong and mighty. I am high and lifted up. I love it when Jesus talks like that. The earth is indeed my footstool. Still, I'm like, yeah, let's get God back to God. Like his, I'm, it edifies me. That's when I feel the strength coming from his throne and he's speaking like I'm here. I'm the man, I'm the God, I'm the Savior. I'm the one, I'm the answer. We are entering a holy time. So he's talking about the seasons, and they do come, as I just was listening to Amanda say this, they really come early this week, almost, or this year, almost three weeks early. And the Jewish festivals and feasts are like 
crazy to follow, right, Phyllis? We're like, we're always like, is it not? Oh, it's always after this. No, it's not after this. Round, round. It's this day. No, it's not this. You know, round we go. It starts on the evening. It starts on the morning. So, yeah, it's kind of funny to watch. It's no big deal, but we, you know, we go through that. And we'll pick a date, and then someone will say, oh, it's the wrong date. We get that all the time. So we've learned to laugh, haven't we, Phyllis? Yeah, indeed. We go, whatever. Jesus sees our hearts. We're doing it this day. It works out. I don't know. So she talks about it being a holy time. She says, there is a breaking point that will occur during the Jewish feasts. That's like, we're right here. We're at the threshold of this. As Gideon had to break the clay pots, I'm like, oh, Amanda's talking about Gideon. Like, I missed it. I heard it this week and even missed it. Duh. As Gideon had to break the clay pots to signify the destruction of the army of the Midianites, that that the Lord it, that there it was upon them. Like that fear, it was. It's such an amazing story. Just the thought that Israel was upon them, and the amount of people per who was fighting with Gideon, three hundred. And, and the 15,000 that were with the Midianites, and there were, I mean, itsy bitsy little thing, little group, small church, huge mammoth, you know, 15,000 soldiers. Wow. How do you go up against that? They had become afraid. And at this moment, whatever that really looked like, the clay pots, breaking the clay pots, the torch, the sword, you know, the horn, the horn, like, like what, and like what they did, like, boom, the enemy hears the sound of it in the, mount, in, the, in the mountains where they were. They run, and not only do they run, they kill each other off. I mean, you're having a good day. Scare your enemy, they jump up, kill each other, and, you know, it's over. You go, hmm, boy, we got a lot of work to do. Pick up all this gold and silver and stuff. They, they left. I'm being ridiculous, but it was almost that, it was that ridiculous. How did we get from the wine press to this incredible victory? And then the story continues on. I won't be able to go on too long today. It goes on, and man, Gideon and those 300, they didn't stop. They kept on rolling. And some of the people that should have been with them went, are you kidding me? You think you're going to go kill so-and-so and so these other leaders? He's like, I am, and when I come back, I'm going to take you out too. Now, that's, that's a mad leader. That's a leader, leader that says, <laughs> he did that to two different cities. Because they wouldn't go with him. They're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> once he got anointed, once the spirit fell on him, oh my gosh. And he did. He did do that. And his own people were really ridiculing him from the beginning, actually. And the enemy was ridiculing him. It's like, oh, you, you know, you're afraid. You're not going to kill us. <laughs> All right. Boom, boom. So this is a fearless, he became a valiant, fearless warrior. He went after 
his enemies without fear. The Lord gave him amazing victory. When he gets to the end of his life, I'm going to summarize quick because the context, the amazing thing that happens here, everybody's against him, really. And the Lord himself said, the army's too big. You've got to send some people home. I wasn't feeling that, Jesus. Too big, too big, too big. Here, do this, do an experiment, have them go drink water. And the people that drink, the guys that drink that way, send them back home. First ask, is anybody afraid? Well, that cleaned out a group. Like, is anybody afraid to go? Like, um, yeah, I'm struggling with this. That'd probably be me. Like, I'm struggling with that. I'm not feeling this. This is scary, you know. And then, then he is still, and the Lord says, still too big. And he, and he has them drink a certain ways and observe them. It's like, okay, everybody that drank this way, tell them to go home. Okay, we're down to 300. I don't know that that's going to make it. But, but in the beginning of his life, he makes this decision. He does something that you and I often don't do. And he did it tenaciously. Lord, if this is you talking to me, I want you to give me a sign. The Lord's like, no problem. Because I want you. Now, here's something you need to know from the Lord. He wants you to be as confident as you want to be. He wants you to have an ironclad stance. He wants you to stand on a rock. He wants you to know that you know. Now, we've looked at that I'll, I'll say me. I, I've looked at that as a, uh, if you can't just believe Jesus without seeing him, then, you know, da, da, da. I have this, yeah, a lot of pride, ego. Phyllis helped me with that through our marriage. A lot of stuff. A lot of things, hindrances. Um, yeah, a lot less prideful than I was when I started out, which is a good thing. Gideon needed to know that the Lord was with you. You just told me something that is insane, ridiculous, unbelievable. But if it's true, give me a sign. It gives me the sign of we, we know the fleece, the sheep, the fleece from a sheep. Laid it down on the ground. It was wet. Ground's dry. Like, okay, that worked that way. Maybe there was something about the fleece. Let's do it the other way. The fleece stays dry and the ground's wet. I mean, on a good night when the dew comes, you wish you put your stuff away, huh? I mean, it's very wet. It's like, did it rain last night? No, it's just the dew. And so he gets those signs, and, and my, if my memory serves right, there was, there was another thing that he asked of the Lord. So the Lord, like, assures him. He wants him to be assured. And when he, I mean, he even went to his kin, and the first thing he was told to do, you needed a lot of guts to do this. He had to go tear down the altar of Baal. See, the whole reason, he asked the Lord, why has this happened to us? And he begins to talk about the miracles of their forefathers that their, that their forefathers received. Why has this happened? Why are we being persecuted by our enemies? Well, actually, he probably already knew the answer to that because it's in the beginning. And you go back to 1 Kings, I believe. Prophets were always coming to these people and trying to get them to walk in the ways of the Lord. Stop worshiping idols. They had a bend toward it, man. They just couldn't seem to go anywhere that they didn't bend towards worshiping idols. They kept going back to it. The Lord would deal with them. They'd go back to worshiping idols. And, and so it was because of their sin, Israel's sin, that their enemies got... That was really the reason. If they would have stayed with the Lord... 
they would probably overwhelm the world to this day if they would have become stayed pure and, and been and followed the Lord. It's like the real sole reason that they lost every time they lost and were defeated every time they were defeated was, was because they would compromise and worship idols and become, you know. And, and so Gideon knew that. And the Lord doesn't come and rebuke him about it. He just tells him. And the first thing he tells the first instruction, I want you to go tear down that altar to Baal, whichever, whatever, whichever one it was. Kill the bull like your dad's precious bull, like just go back. I don't know. Has your dad ever had something that really meant a lot to him and the Lord tells you to go sacrifice it? Maybe a nice car, truck sitting in the garage, you know, something that means a lot to him and you're told to go take that, sell it and do whatever, da, 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 da. It'd be like that. I mean, you're like, oh, he didn't say that. It'd be like that. It'd be like whatever he w did, like doing this, was worthy of getting his head cut off and the relatives would have been mad too. Now you're really in trouble if your father's mad at you and the relatives are mad at you. Now you don't have a chance. Now you're really in trouble. He goes and does this. He's like, it says, because he was afraid, I would have been right there with him. He did it at night. And he does this and it was no small disturbance. But he began to obey the Lord. He got assured about this calling and the Lord was going to deliver Israel through him. He got assured of it. And he started following everything that the Lord told him to do. And the Lord gave him victory at every, every point. In Psalms 44, in verses 1, 2, and 3, God, this is out of the Passion Translations. God, we've heard about all the glorious miracles you've done for our ancestors in days gone by. They told us about the ancient times, how by your power you drove out the ungodly nations from this land, crushing all their strongholds and giving the land to us. Now the people of Israel cover the land and one end to the other, all because of your grace and power. Our forefathers didn't win these battles by their own strength. And I believe this was also in uh, Amanda Grace's prophecy, which I really recommend you listen to. It is not boring. Is that... Be clear about this. You cannot deliver yourself from this. It's like, wow, that is the truth. This is so big. It's global. It's, it's bigger than we are. We've lost the, we, we know, but now it's very clear. Our politicians are corrupt up to 70% of them. If they were uh, prosecuted for their crimes, we would lose immediately 70% of our, of our governing authorities. 70 percent that was the last number that i heard then we had to endure this was heartrending to find out that our judicial system is corrupt and bought off even our supreme court that was hard there were a lot of those guys even even judge roberts that supposed to be conservative, supposed to value the same things we value. It was hard to watch. It was hard to hear about. I'm, I'm just, I'm watching this going, oh my, it can't be. And all the, we're like, why don't you indict these people? Because the system's corrupt. It won't matter. If they get indicted and they get off free, you can't charge them again. 
So we're watching this injustice go on and on and on, and it gets deeper and deeper. Now it becomes pretty ironclad, solid that the FBI is corrupt as well. I knew the CIA was. It's through the whole system. Oh, my God. On the latest with this fake pandemic, the virus, the way the hospitals are dealing with things, medical tyranny across the board. It's the protocols that are killing people. I've listened to too many testimonies from doctors and lawyers and virologists and what they, how they deal. First of all, don't deal at all with someone that they consider that has corona virus, COVID-2, which the cold is a corona. You understand that, don't you? A PCR test that is totally unreliable and they, they're mandated not to treat patients, to send them home. I'm scratching my head like, they've been trying. And then if they're bad enough, then they put them on the protocol that Dr. Fauci put in. One drug of which didn't even pass clinical trials called remdesivir. And I was listening to a doctor whose father got the virus and is sick in the hospital, very sick, and they begin to treat him. They call him. He's a doctor. They call him and said, your father has kidney failure. Now, that was not his issues before. And he went, what? He has kidney failure? Wait a minute. I'm a doctor. Viruses don't cause kidney failure. Something's wrong with this. And they, put it, they had put him on this remdesivir that's never finished. Its when you find research it, it didn't finish clinical trials. It was killing too many people. It was causing too much damage. That's the protocol. And they absolutely will not prescribe ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or the other things that, that actually we're finding work right now. Ivermectin is coming up totally on top as being an amazing, amazing drug and totally safe. I mean, it's amazing. Truth is, it'll probably cure your flu because half the people that were sick, that's all they had anyways. Amazing. Right now, there's a clinical trial going on, a good one, for ivermectin, and they're researching with clinical trials to see if it helps men with, with prostate cancer. Now, I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot of men. They'll be all for that study. That's, a good, that's good, huh? Some, that's part of why, and it's been banned. They were not, doctors were not allowed to prescribe these drugs that are totally safe, been around for 30 some years. They weren't allowed to prescribe it? What? My heart breaks at what we've become and what's all around us. And as you hear this, it is hard for the hopelessness not to set in and heaviness. Again, I'll recommend, listen to this prophecy by Amanda. Her and Steve Schultz at the end pray a prayer. And Phyllis and I are sitting on the couch listening to it. And she breaks the spirit of heaviness. And I'm like, wow, I'm even getting affected by this thing. You try as hard as you can to stay out from under, but it, it's there. So serious. And we, we need to find this place where we find here what the Lord's doing. And the story of Gideon, I need to close just because I'm running out of time. The story of Gideon is that in hope, there was no one to call to come and deal with the Midianites and everybody else that was suppressing them. There was no National Guard. There wasn't another country. 
No one give a rip. All they had was God. God deliver us or we're, or we're done. We're dead. This can't go on. We're going to starve to death. We're going to be continually oppressed by these, by these enemies. They will wipe us out. God comes. The angel of the Lord himself comes to Gideon when he realizes it's God. The fear of the Lord hits him like, <gasps> and the angel of the Lord has to say to them, don't fear, you're going to live. <laughs> That's the fear of the Lord. Don't fear, you're going to live because you're in my presence. You get to live. And he builds an altar. The Lord is peace. I'm going to say again, the Lord is peace. And he is the one, Amanda says this, the Lord, it will take the Lord to deliver us and break this thing that is around, that's all over the world right now. Stand back, watch, see what the Lord does and find that thing. And as you get instruction to do your part or your thing, do what the Lord tells you to do. We need people, we always have, it's still the same. I need you, we all need you to hear what, what is your lane and what are you to be doing and go do that. Don't worry about what the relatives say, don't worry about who says what says. Find the truth, go after it, find the thing you're supposed to do and do that. And fear not, because fear will keep you secluded, shut down and afraid to step out. And it's very thick right now. It's very heavy. We have to, we've got to overcome it. Take a deep breath, stand and find the place and do it with all integrity. We are called to love people, but it doesn't mean we can't disagree with them and, and speak the truth. And you'll know, follow that. Let the peace of Christ rule in your life. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. He wants to, he will. He's faithful. He's faithful who called you. I'll say again, this is not the end. I, it, I don't know what the days ahead are going to look like. It's not the end. I'm solidly still believing in the prophets that Donald Trump is going to serve this term. He's going to finish this out. He's going to come back. But only God. And the true patriots, they're also saying only God. Even with the plan, their plans, only God. Can, can work this out. It is, it is that critical. It's that strategic. But the Lord came to Gideon because he cared about his people. When you raise a hallelujah, when you give gratitude, when you praise, and I would encourage you, do this as much as you can, you draw his attention. That's all he needs. That's what he's looking for in the earth. Faith and that praise, that thankfulness, that acknowledgement. He's looking for that. He's watching for that. And he responds to that. He's not cold-hearted towards your cry and your plea. He hears your prayer. He hears your cry. He's, he's more ready than you are to deliver you and, how, and lead you to, to be a deliverer of others. It's a difficult time. It's a very difficult time. It's difficult to keep your, keep your love on, to keep your heart on, to keep your faith up. But that's okay. It's going to make us tough. This isn't for everyone, but I don't want to fail. Not this time. I want to stay 
true. I want to stay on track, on task, and fulfill my job and see what the Lord will do. That's quite a guarantee. Do what I say to do, and you will have success. Follow my leading, you will have success. I will save you. I will deliver you. I'm greater than all of those things. And this, uh, um, again, a lot of the prophets are saying um, some awesome things, and, and Amanda goes on, like the whole thing. It's pretty, it's very interesting to see what she's saying, what she's calling forth. And some of it we're watching. It's right, it's right here. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask for peace of Christ to be on us. Let us be, find ourselves being visited by you. And as we get, raise our hallelujah, as we give praise to you, Lord Jesus, we continue to give thanks as we express our trust in you. Let us stop being so amazed and appalled at all of the injustices around us, it, though it's really hard. It's really hard not to respond, not to feel that. But it's not new to you, and you have a great plan to deliver us. Bring us into a new day. Bring us into your purposes. You are faithful. As the psalmist said, you are faithful. You're true. You're just. We'll remember the things you did of old, and those things, those promises are still for us. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless all of you.